0: If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out. This week on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: The human heart is the first home of democracy. It is where we embrace our questions. Can we listen with our whole beings, not just our minds, and offer our attention rather than our opinions?
0: I'm Neil Harvey. Please join us this week when our guest will be writer Terry Tempest Williams on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. The following program was made possible in part by a grant from Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com. To care is neither conservative nor radical, writes John Ralston Saul. It's a form of consciousness. We say the pioneers are part of a revolution from the heart of nature. That heart of nature beats deep beneath the froth and fray of our high-speed society become so polarized, so fascinated with rhetorical mud-wrestling, media scream-fests, and bedeviled in winner-take-all power politics. Terry Tempest Williams is a writer and naturalist who plumbs the depths of the heart of nature. In the notes to her book, The Open Space of Democracy, she quotes monk and activist Thomas Merton. It is true, Merton wrote, political problems are not solved by love and mercy. But the world of politics is not the only world. And unless political decisions rest on a foundation of something better and higher than politics, they can never do any real good for humanity. There must be a new force, the power of love, the power of understanding and human compassion, the strength of selflessness and cooperation, and the creative dynamism of the will to live and to build and to forgive, the will for reconciliation. In her writing and her life, Terry Tempest Williams is an expression of that foundation of something better and higher in each of us. With the care of a poet, she weaves together the personal, the political, and the planetary. It's all connected. Join us for the next half hour as we explore How Close Does It Have to Get? The Open Space of Democracy with author and naturalist Terry Tempest Williams. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: I do not believe we can look for leadership beyond ourselves. I do not believe we can wait for someone or something to save us from our global predicaments and obligations. I need to look in the mirror and ask this of myself. If I am committed to seeing the direction of our country change, how must I change myself?
0: Terry Tempest Williams is an author and naturalist who is a study in unusual combinations. She has the keen insight of a trained scientific observer deeply connected to the land, as a naturalist in residence at the Utah Museum of Natural History and fellow in environmental studies at the University of Utah. She is equally connected to her family, whose Mormon roots trace back generations on the desert land. Terry is also a luminous writer, a sentinel of relatedness. Her passionate plea is to reweave the tattered fabric of our world, both ecological and social. Braided together, these different strands help explain her courageous social action. She has been arrested for protesting nuclear testing in Utah. For her, it gets very personal. Several of her family members are downwinders whose fatal cancers were likely related to above-ground atomic testing, the distant mushroom clouds that Terry herself remembers seeing as a child on the distant desert horizon. Her younger brother, Steve, is also a downwinder. He was diagnosed with lymphoma in 2003. He made a pilgrimage to the Commonweal Cancer Help Program in California to seek healing. Though his illness tore yet another hole in the fabric of the family, his story is one of transformation coming from the heart of nature. Terry Tempest Williams spoke at a recent Bioneers conference.
1: I see him sitting at the family dinner table after he had gone through a very intensive cycle of chemotherapy that left his body ravaged and weak. I see him sitting next to his wife, Anne, in their living room with their daughters, Callie, Sarah, and Diane, with Brooke and I there at their side, my other brother, Hank, and our father, gathered together to hear what he learned at Commonweal. He spoke of healing, not cure. He spoke of gratitude for his life and his desire to be true to the integrity of his own voice. He brought us back each a stone and passed a bowl of stones around the dinner table. And he talked about how when he was walking at Point Reyes, he only picked up stones that had a hole in them. And he said, I know we have had A hole in our hearts. We can look at this hole in our hearts as a wound or we can see it as a window. May we vow tonight as a family to see it as a window. Another open space. Even the open space of democracy. You know I think so often we think this is what's going on one hand of my life, this is what's going on the other hand of my life, and more and more I'm asking myself how do we bring these two lives together in prayer seamless the garment we wear our lives and it is strengthened through community
0: a hole in a family's heart becomes a window terry tempest williams soon faced another window in the open space of democracy this time one that opened right into the backyard of her own close-knit utah community the college graduation of her brother's daughter at her own alma mater. It came at a tense time of extreme political division over the war in Iraq, which had only recently begun.
1: I was invited to speak at the University of Utah to deliver the commencement address. Can I tell you how horrifying that is? Um, It was particularly horrifying, or that's maybe too strong a word, but I don't think so. Um, In Salt Lake City, Utah, this was my alma mater my niece Callie, Stephen Ann's daughter, was graduating. It was about family. It was about community. It was about my people. We were at war. You'll remember George W. Bush had just stepped onto the aircraft carrier, Abraham Lincoln, announcing mission accomplished. This was the following day. And I thought, if I don't have the courage to speak my own thoughts at this point in time to my own people, my own family, and my own community at my own school, then I have no business being there. And I gave a very short talk for 15 minutes about the open space of democracy. In the open space of democracy, there is room for dissent. In the open space of democracy, community is defined as the well-being of all species, not just our own. Thinking about Thoreau, when he said cast Not your whole vote, but your whole influence. These kinds of ideas and urge the students to question, stand, speak, and act. After this talk, it was met with equal boos and equal applause. What can I say? Terrifying um, in your own community. And what I saw was the split within our own country. How do we have civil dialogue when we are not even civil to each other? After the talk, my senator, Bob Bennett, and it gets more complicated as it always does in Utah, also our neighbor, and more complicated still, my former Mormon bishop, (laughs) uh, came up to me and said, Terry, I just want to register my extreme dissent to what you said today. We talked, it was spirited. And then he said, you've inspired me to write you a letter. And I would like to share with you an excerpt of his letter and my response an excerpt. Because I think it has everything to do with how do we bypass this political rhetoric that has diminished all of us in this country and find that point of humanity, our deeper selves. Dear Terry, as I listened to you outline things that are important to you, an interesting question popped into my mind. What would she be willing to die for? Waging war always creates the risk of dying, so any discussion of war raises that issue. Then I asked myself, what would I be willing to die for? The answers that came were predictable. At the front end, family certainly, followed by church, protection of community, and yes, finally, the cause of freedom for others, as well as my own family and friends." And then he goes on to outline his concerns and thoughts. It was an incredibly thoughtful, provocative letter. I should tell you, it was a four-page, single-spaced letter. Not on official senatorial stationery, but from his own computer. I'm embarrassed to tell you I was not able to answer his letter for months. I was haunted by what he had asked me. What am I willing to die for? And I realized for me, that wasn't the question. It's not what I'm willing to die for, but what am I willing to give my life to? But having been grilled enough by my own father, I knew if I didn't answer it, it would not be credible. And let me just read you an excerpt. dearest Senator Bennett, You asked me a critical question in your letter when I have pondered for months. What am I willing to die for? Before the war in Iraq, thousands of Americans turned to poetry, to voice their opposition to the invasion, creating the largest written protest in the history of this country. 11,000 poems were presented to Congress on March 5, 2003, by Sam Hamill and W.S. Merwin. My words were simple ones. The erosion of speech is the buildup of war. Silence no longer supports prayers, but lives inside the mouths of the dead. After much thought, Senator Bennett, what I would be willing to die for and give my life to is the freedom of speech. It is the open door to all other freedoms, We are a nation at war with ourselves. Until we can turn to one another and offer our sincere words as to why we feel the way we do with an honest commitment to hear what others have to say, we will continue to project our anger on the world in true unconscious acts of terror. Democracy invites us to take risks. It asks that we vacate the comfortable seat of certitude, remain pliable, and act ultimately on behalf of the common good. Democracy's only agenda is that we participate. If we cannot engage in respectful listening, there can be no civil dialogue. And without civil dialogue, we, the people, will simply become bullies and brutes, deaf to the truth that we are standing on the edge of a political chasm that is beginning to crumble. We all stand to lose ground, democracy is an insecure landscape.
0: The insecure landscape of democracy soon trembled again under Terry Tempest Williams, this time the tremor shook her from across the country in Florida. It bespoke a national psyche painfully lacking in respectful civil discourse, reflecting a bitter electoral contest in a nation divided.
1: Democracy felt a bit more insecure when I received a call from Florida Gulf Coast University. I was to learn that the freshman convocation, with which I had been invited to speak last May, was being postponed until after the election. This decision was made by the university President William Merwin. This decision was made because of criticisms I had made against George W. Bush in print. He felt my partisan views would be threatening to the university and could be harmful to his students. He said, quote, if a hurricane is threatening my university, then I'm going to shut it down. And then I said, but what if it's only a tempest? With all due respect, he didn't think it was funny. Um, We had a long conversation and he was very candid to his credit. He said, let me be very clear, the Board of Regents in the state of Florida, my Board of Trustees at this university are all appointees by Governor Jeb Bush. And my donors are supporters of the Bush brothers in the name of political balance he said, I cannot allow you on this campus before the election. (laughs) That same night, our family gathered in Salt Lake City to learn that my brother Steve's test revealed metastatic disease, that his lymphoma was progressing, that he was no longer eligible for the stem cell transplant we had all been praying for. With silence and with stillness, With sorrow and with love, we embraced the moment and each other and stood in the center of sacred time. Life. As T.S. Eliot says, turning shadow into transient beauty.
0: Terry Tempest Williams. Her books include The Open Space of Democracy and Refuge, An Unnatural History of Family and Place. More from Terry Tempest Williams when we return. This is How Close Does It Have to Get? The Open Space of Democracy. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Additional audio materials related to this program can be found at Bioneers.org. Life, turning shadow into transient beauty, as T.S. Eliot wrote. Light and dark, must they be at war with one another? Or might we see them as two parts of the same whole, a unity of opposites that need each other to exist? Where is the open space between them? Might it reveal a continuum of endless shades of gray? Terry Tempest-Williams looked to nature for guidance.
1: What I know is this. When one hungers for light, it is only because one's knowledge of the dark is so deep. Here's my question. What might a different kind of power look like, feel like, And can power be distributed equitably among ourselves, even beyond our own species? We can only attain harmony and stability by consulting ensemble Writes Walt Whitman. This is my definition of community. And community interaction is the white-hot center of a democracy that burns bright.
0: The web of life is like a symphony. Although there may be brilliant soloists, it's all about the ensemble. Democracy means consulting the ensemble, evoking all the voices, listening deeply and openly. Dissent is not only permitted, it is essential. How else can we elicit the greatest wisdom of the group mind and learn to reconcile differing visions? The process is seeded by individual participation. It flowers in community. Again, Terry Tempest Williams.
1: Despair shows us the limit of our own imagination. Imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. The experience at the Florida Gulf Coast University has been a painful one, but it has taught me that this is not personal. This story is not about me. It's a shadow play that where we are characters in this ongoing drama, theater, of democracy. The students rose. The faculties rose. And next Sunday, the president and myself will join the students and the faculty in a discussion of how to keep this open space exactly that. I think together we've realized that what is most threatening to the status quo is dialogue, because honest dialogue and deep listening requires us to change, to give up the rigidity of our opinions for the sacred heart of stories where we remember who we are and who we are not. My brother has shared with us that his cancer is teaching him to act and speak from a place of honesty, to follow what he loves not to be simply responsible for what he does. If you would have told me one year ago that my brother, who's a pipeline contractor, would be advocating for a labyrinth to be placed in the center of this new international Intermountain health care facility for cancer patients, I would not have believed you. If you would have told me that his focus on pipeline had shifted to that of a sculptor, of making a sculpture out of granite, cut and pulled and stretched that he would call lymphoma leaving. If you had told me that alongside his Mormon scriptures he is now reading Emerson and Thoreau and Rachel Remen, I would not have believed it. The other day he said to me, Terry, we are all terminal. How do you want to spend your one beautiful life?" Mary Oliver. Engagement, action, transformation. And now let me tell you the true transformation. And that has been my father. My father, fourth generation pipeline contractor. He wears cowboy boots that could kill spiders in corners. (laughs) He has a shrine to Ronald Reagan. And about a month ago, I said to my father, with all the love in my heart, we can no longer talk about politics. I am so sorry, but it's too painful. I did not know how to find dialogue. When this happened with Florida, I warned my father about it. And I apologized, because this was not a good time for controversy in our family. We were broken open with Steve. And he said to me, do not apologize, this matters." When he found out what had happened, that I was not allowed to speak, he said, and when the students had invited me to come back, he said, I want to come with you. Tell the president a Republican's coming who's voting for Bush. (laughs) And then, as things progressed, um, I had said that my father was coming to the local reporter in the Salt Lake Tribune, and I warned my father. Then I called him the next night and I said, I hope This hasn't caused you pain. And he said, Terry, the phone has been ringing off the wall. People are outraged. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm voting for Bush. (laughs) And I said, are you? And he said, I don't know. Engagement, action, transformation through love. How close does it have to get before we're willing to change? For my father, it was seeing his son, his beloved son, another Hibakusha, another downwinder, his body ravaged by cancer. He didn't acknowledge that with his wife, with our mother. He has acknowledged it now. And his daughter, not allowed to speak. My father has changed. It had to be that close. How close does it have to get before we make the changes required for a full transformation of who we are as human beings? The human heart is the first home of democracy. It is where we embrace our questions. Can we be equitable? Can we be generous? Can we listen with our whole beings, not just our minds, and offer our attention rather than our opinions, And do we have enough resolve in our hearts to act courageously, relentlessly, without giving up ever, trusting our fellow citizens to join us in our determined pursuit of a living democracy? The heart is the house of empathy, whose door opens when we receive the pain of others. This is where bravery lives where we find our metal to give and receive, to love and be loved, to stand in the center of uncertainty with strength, not fear, understanding this is all there is. The heart is the path to wisdom because it dares to be vulnerable in the presence of power. Our power lies in our love of our homelands. Thank you.
0: Writer and naturalist, Terry Tempest Williams, she spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. How close does it have to get before we're willing to change? The heart is the first home of democracy. Sometimes it takes a broken heart to crack open the compassion that opens the window to healing. Sometimes it has to be that close to remind us who we are. Then in that open space, we begin to remember that the human heart and the heart of nature are one heart in the open space of democracy. To find out more about the work of Terry Tempest Williams and explore more resources related to this show, to order a CD of this program and to connect to the Bioneers and its annual conference, visit Bioneers.org or call 877-246-6337. To access other Bioneers CDs as well as DVDs of environmental and social visionaries, the Bioneers Book Series, published by Sierra Club Books, featuring titles including "Eco Literacy: Educating Our Children for a Sustainable World. To access Bioneers podcasts and information on becoming a member of the Bioneers, visit Bioneers.org or call the same number, 877-246-6337. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel, written by Kenny Ausubel and Neil Harvey. Managing producer is Stephanie Welch. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a disc label. Additional music was made available by James Owen Matthews at jomstar at usa.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the pioneers in improving the environment by changing the world. This is program number 1306. This program was made possible in part by a grant from Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.